Hey, how about them tops, son? All day, SEC boys. You're listening to the Red Out Podcast. Hello and welcome in to another Red Out Podcast. Uh, My name is Devin and we will be talking about Western sports tonight. Uh, Happy Halloween to you all. I hope you enjoy the Halloween festivities in your area. Uh, be smart, be safe, uh, like, share, and subscribe on all the major platforms if you don't care. Uh, just to support the channel, we appreciate your help, and we love giving you this stuff for free. Um, because free is the best stuff, right? Uh, so let's see if we can get the guys on here, and then we'll talk about some how about them winners and losers uh, the previous week. And we'll be getting into Western sports, big news in Western basketball, we got some news in volleyball. They're finally actually going to start doing stuff. Um, got some other news popping up around the hill, so we'll get into that in just a second. I guess while I'm sitting here, I'll tell a little story. Um, let, me, let me message the guys real quick, get them on the horn. Great sound effects there, right? Um, so, <laughs> sorry, guys are just shouting back into us. They're ready to roll. Um, I don't know about the rest of you. If you saw the Chattanooga game, I did not. I've heard some commentary on it. Um, and it seems to me that we almost lost that game, which, by the way, crazy, crazy game. Uh, hey, we got Alex and Jared. How's it going, guys? Hello, hello. Hello. Yeah, how are you, buddy? Whoa, not 96. Just, oh, oh, oh. Good. There we go. Uh, hope you all have had a good week. Um, Alex, do you have any winners and losers? Yes. The <clears throat> I would like to start off the losers for the Tennessee Titans. Just could not get it. <laughs> Done. And Jared, to answer your question earlier in the week, I really didn't think that we were going to beat the Dolphins, the 1972 Dolphins. Oh, the 1972 Dolphins record anyway. Like, I'm honestly surprised we made it this far, which is good. But Pittsburgh, definitely the last undefeated team in the league. Definitely great. Like, they showed up, came to play. So it's like, I mean, it's a learning curve. But going forward, I'm definitely confident, but I'm surprised that we made it this far undefeated. And for all my fellow Titans fans out there, I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Jared, were you alive when the Patriots almost went undefeated in the season? Yes. Well, I mean, I don't remember the last time. I barely remember the last time the Dolphins had 10 wins. But, I mean, we're coming for that AFC East. We're trying to. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Jared, do you have any winners or losers? Uh, yes, this is, I'm going to come in hot right at the start of the podcast. My loser is going to be Marshall. And that's because (laughs) apparently they were thinking that college game day was going to come to Huntington, West Virginia, uh, when they played middle for the 75 game, which I do understand the importance of it. Let me say from the beginning, I mean, it is a great gesture. It's amazing that they have this tradition to honor all of those that they lost through that. 
But at the same time, you're playing MTSU and I'm uh, sure I'm you guys might be good. Yeah. Yes. Like middle is terrible. Like Charles Barkley, terrible, terrible. Terrible. So, terrible, terrible. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's been hilarious me reading all the comments from all these Marshall fans saying that college game day is so distasteful and horrible because they chose not to go to Huntington, West Virginia. It's like, even if y'all were nationally ranked and you were playing Alabama, they're not going to come to Huntington. So y'all need to calm down and know your place. First off, you're, you're still West Virginia. So right. I'm pretty sure yeah. like their night out on the town or date night is like going to McDonald's and knocking Applebee's. your old lady up in a parking lot. I mean, Marshall fans are just trash. I'm sorry. I am not a fan of Marshall <laughs> fans, period. It's been a while since I've seen them this mad online, but it has been – it's fueled me this week. Why that. would college game day come to your town? What are they going to go do, sit in the Dairy Queen parking lot and do the game day from? Nobody really just Marshall. I've also yeah. seen it there, and in place of the game in Huntington Saturday, they're go- the Masters is this weekend – so it's like, if you had a choice, would you go to Huntington, West Virginia, go to like the same five restaurants like Dairy Queen or sit in a bar <laughs> and knock back some Falls City beer and watch Marshall football or watch the Masters, which Georgia during the Masters is pretty anyway. So it's like, what do you want? Do you want some to be pretty or just to be stagnant? Okay. Okay. And this is if also my- so rare. Too. No, like the Masters has never been in November before, so this is like a once in a lifetime thing that they're doing that we'll probably never see again, unless I mean this pandemic still screws up next year too with scheduling. But I would rather go. I still think to, it's funny. I would rather go to Guantanamo Bay than Huntington, West Virginia. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> Send me there see, any I, day of the week. I, the only thing I would do in West Virginia is go to Point Pleasant and look for Mothman. That's the only thing I care about up there. <laughs> I would go hiking in West Virginia before I go to sit down at a football game in Huntington, West Virginia. Like the only time I've ever known Huntington for anything over to Marshall football was OJ Mayo. That was back in high school. The basketball player. Oh, I was like, what is OJ Mayo? (laughs) I remember him. He was a baller for Memphis back in the day, the Grizzlies. Yes. Him and Rudy Gay. Sure. Uh, So, on a so now term- that we got all the Marshall fans out of the podcast, they've already turned it off by now. <laughs> we can start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my thing is, okay, I got a personal kind of winner and loser. I uh, was sitting in, sitting at home with uh, my mom. They came up to see Abby, and I turned on. I'm addicted to the videos you see on YouTube where the guys are restoring whatever, Okay. So this guy's restoring this old rusted butcher knife or whatever. And she looks at me and I kid you not. She goes, is he going to fix that one too? No, mom. No, no. I think he's just going to let us see the rusty old butcher knife. And then he's going to end the video right there. It's one of those like Bill Ingvall, like here's your sign moments. Uh, It just, I was like, really mom? Yeah. I I think he's going to fix it. It's pretty evident. That's why there's eight more minutes of this video. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so we got some other news uh, coming from the Hill this week. Uh, I got some basketball news. They've kind of released the uh, schedule for that. Um, and volleyball, they're kind of starting their thing going. Uh, they've got um, some matches starting up, some exhibition matches. 
uh, starting up on November 7th on Saturday. Uh, it's, what is it, a tournament like? Is that what we got? Looks like uh, UAB, sure. UAB, MTSU, and Western. Uh, so they're going to kind of, I guess, they're going to have like a round robin thing going. Uh, so it's good to see the volleyball girls are back at it. Um, hopefully everything goes well for them. And um, I will, uh, I'll let you all talk about basketball. Uh, Jared, what did you think of the schedule? Yeah, so the conference part of the schedule is finally done, which is the first actual taste of the schedule that we've gotten to this point because it's still not out and November is this week. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of with COVID how things have gone. But, it, I mean, it's a good schedule, of course. Conference USA is doing to where you played the same team back-to-back in the same place. So I know we'll be playing Old Dominion. We'll be playing Marshall once. I think we'll be playing like FAU. I know one of the Florida schools for sure. We've got uh, FAU. I'm assuming. So, okay, look. I got at the, the schedule, schedule pulled up. I do too. Um, are the gray ones on the road and the white ones are at home? The yeah. black ones, yeah. I think it may be a different one, but the ones that are in bold colors, like black and white, are at home, and then kind of like a delayish color is in away. Yeah, I've got a different than you did, Jared. The one you sent me, is it gray that's home or white that's home? It's white that's home. Okay, okay. So we've got Charlotte on the road. Are they just going to stay in Charlotte? Because it's, what, December yeah. 31st to January 2nd? I imagine yeah, so, so because they that. got, yeah, because they got Louisiana Tech for about uh, Thursday and Saturday faction, then Old Dominion in January for Thursday and Saturday. So I'm, it's actually nice that the games are on Thursdays it's Saturdays. Like I don't see any weekday games like a Tuesday or a Monday unless it's like not conference. Well, I was going to say, it doesn't make any sense to me to like, for instance, fly to North Texas and then you get done with the game and then you fly back and then you fly back a day later. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. So it's going to be, I mean, speaking candidly, it's going to be hell for them taking classes in the early part of the semester. Because oh, yeah. you're going to be missing basically like three or four days of classes. Your Tuesday, Thursday classes are going to get butchered. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but uh, looks like we got Charlotte to open it. LaTeX next. Marshall, we're going to split. Um, I'm assuming MT is supposed to be SU. Yeah. Old Dominion, yes. FAU, Rice, North Texas, and FIU. So, of course, they're all. It'll double. definitely be different, but I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, I kind of yeah. wish we played middle and diddle, but I mean, it is what it is. Same with North Texas. I was really hoping we would get North Texas at home, but I mean, speaking I would, of, I really don't see um, other than the Rice and North Texas games. We don't play UTEP or uh, UTSA this year, so that's I found that kind of weird. And that, what, that makes sense because traveling, that's like the furthest away schools from us. So I mean, From, from what I understood, don't we have like an east-west partnership though? I think so. So our partner, I'm assuming, is either is North Texas or LaTeX. Uh, I'm not really sure. More I know that our travel partner is Marshall, which is why we play them. We actually do split games with them. Okay. But I thought I thought we had like a, like an east-west kind of thing going where yeah, like LaTeX or North Texas partnered with us. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend I understand this because this feels I like see, 
I did see where we potentially may be getting another player coming in for that will be eligible for the spring semester. He's from Estonia. He's like a six seven wing. I think his name is probably not right at all. It's like Mick like Jerkatom or something like that. But there, bud. <laughs> Yo. So that could yeah, be a good um, wing. We need a good wing player too. So I'm looking forward to see how he could potentially fit in with like the second half of the season. I, I think it could be interesting. Um, any games that you're disappointed uh, that we got instead of someone else? I know Alex said UTEP. Um, you know that that we should have gotten somebody you know different. But Al, uh, Jared, is there anybody else that you would like to trade? Uh, I mean, I just wish we could have had uh, Middle and Diddle just for the fact that, I mean, it's home and everything. I always like to see try to run them out of the building. But, I mean, it's still a good schedule. I mean, the non-conference is going to be still what matters, especially with strength of schedule. So we'll see how that turns out. Hopefully by November 24th, they'll have the schedule. So we'll see. So my question is, I wonder if, According to the schedule, this just kind of shows me who the higher ups at Western or Marshall or whoever think that maybe Marshall is a better rival for us than MTSU. Do you all agree or no? In recent years past, yes. I would have to say just because of like the past three seasons where we've had our battles with Marshall. So I think this kind of also translates into football, like not to take away from the subject, but kind of segue is Marshall more of our main rival now rather than Middle Tennessee? In basketball or just across the board? Just across the board, but mainly basketball and football. Football, I don't I don't know if they're I, – I, I legitimately hate them, but like Middle, I, I feel like I have a stronger, uh, quote, hate for them than I do Marshall. Marshall, I just don't like at all. Uh, in basketball, I completely agree. I think they're a great rival for Western in basketball. There's been so many heartbreaks for Western uh, in recent memory. You know, the ball bouncing out or whatever. Um, and in basketball, I, I I think Marshall is definitely for basketball, but maybe not football. I still See, think it's one and two for Marshall Middle. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that used to Middle was a stronger rivalry, but just because they would speak crap and everything. But now, I mean, their fan base is still kind of sad, like – now that their basketball team's not good anymore, no one really cares. Their football team is like the basement of Conference USA. No one cares anymore. But that's the thing with Marshall fans is that they're the ones always super loud on the internet trying to get angry at us and help fuel it too. So, I mean, at least they actually care about their team, unlike actual MTSU fans. I agree with that. I'll give you that. I mean, you got to think too. You got to put yourself in the mind of a Marshall fan. They had to drive to the library to get on the internet to read what Western fan <laughs> said. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. You just kind of got to, you got to ride it out. They um, really go the extra mile. I do, uh, but it's very close for me with Marshall and middle because, you know, I was kind of, so to speak on the front lines with the, with the middle rivalry. So it's more like, eh, I really hate those guys. But like, if you talk to some of the older fans, they may say, you know, Eastern, Eastern is the better yeah. rival. Like and my dad, he still hates Eastern so much to this day because of all the it's like that. games. I agree. Completely yes. agree. But Alex, go ahead. Yes, definitely I would agree with like just from older fans' perspective and people who went to the university, 
I feel like EKU is a bigger rival. Also, Murray State, which the Murray mm-hmm. State Western rival kind of got buried just because of scheduling conflicts. But it would be nice to see at least some consistency with both, especially because yeah. you got an OVC tie-in, like just the history and tradition of it. I yeah, I agree. They um, Murray, even at, at my time at Western Murray, really wasn't that big a rival, but. Murray is historically a rival because of the Red Belt. Have you heard the story of the Red Belt? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So for our listeners, just to kind of a short recap, um, one, the guy I used to work for, Bill Edwards, uh, let one of the trainers for uh, Murray borrow a belt, and he made sure because he didn't have his belt, he forgot to pack it. And so he gave the Red Belt to the Murray trainer as a joke. Well, then they beat Western, and they kept it. Or actually, I think – I think at the end of the game, you know, Doc asked for the belt back, and he said, well, you'll have to beat us next year. And so the next year came along, and um, they, I think Western lost. And then the year after that, Western, when um, the guy came back to give him the belt, they had, like, made a plaque, and they had gone back to, like, the 20s. I mean, it was ungodly. It was, like, the first meeting of Western versus Murray, and they had this thing just fixed. And it was like, oh, my gosh. And as far as I know, they still have the red belt. Western still has it. Um, obviously, we haven't lost, but I haven't I haven't been there in several years, so I don't know if they moved it to a broom closet or what they did with that. Um, but anyway, um, overall rating, what would you say strength of schedule for this uh, for this is, uh, Jared? Just for conference, I would say maybe B minus. B minus still decent, but it could be better. Okay, Alex, what you got? I would rate this just with all honesty a C plus just with the simple fact that there are a lot of home in a ways and there's a lot of split schedules. So the home games, obviously I would see them at least losing no more than maybe two, but on the road, which last year we did stroll on the road a little bit. So if we can make the turnaround for the difference, then it would be the best. Yeah, I could see us struggling, you know, the home and away with Marshall. I could see that being a little bit of a struggle, um, you know, flip side of those. Um, yeah, I just had somebody comment and said, uh, oh, my God, you speak so fast. It's Buddy, true. we're Southern. There's no way in God's green earth that we speak too fast. We speak very slowly because we're Southern. Um, yeah, and I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm kind of fired up tonight, so. Um, but anyway, um, so Alex, do you want to talk a little pro tops real quick? Yes, I do. Um, (laughs) let me pull up the article. That sounded way too excited. Um, no, it was just the, uh, the clearing of the throat. I feel like it's a newscast. (laughs) Confessions of a media junkie. Um, okay. (laughs) Internet, please work. Please work. Please work. Okay, for the week seven Pro Tops update, there wasn't too much action going on. Jack Doyle was on a bye week. He's still nursing an injury. Taewon Taylor's still doing his thing with the Bills, still inactive. The Jets, which I'll say hashtag free George fan, apparently they're trying to push him on the trade block, but not really just because midseason trades are going on. He would be a great mid-season addition for an offensive line. Titans, cough, cough. Mike White is still on the active roster. 
Forrest Lamp is having a really, really good season just with not only staying healthy, but with the Chargers for somewhat of an abysmal start, but kind of improving under a good rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert. Deion Yoder, the Chiefs, they're still the Chiefs. They're still dominant. Higby was injured for the Rams game against the Bears. Iggy, Joe, and uh, still can't pronounce his name, so we'll just call him. E.A. Booney Way. Thank you, Jared. Thank you. That was awesome. Yes. He (laughs) did get a solo tackle in the game. So other than that, oh, and Romeo Cornell, for all my Romeo Cornell fans, uh, Texans lost to the Packers 35-20. to They're 1-6 of the year. It's not his fault, I promise. Interim coach problems. That's the update for the Pro Tops. Ignore the dogs barking in the background. Um, That was well-placed, too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, uh, love my Romeo Cornell. I think it's hilarious. It's very split that they played my Packers, so I had to – got to take it with how I will. Um, So, Western beat Chattanooga to some people's dismay. I say that in quotation marks, beat. Yes, I was going to say, I know some – some people are not quite uh, thrilled at the win that Western should not have won. Um, so I will. The Western won thirteen ten against the Mocs. Um, I assume that's moccasins. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Jared, let me get your view on this game. Uh, for someone, I did not watch the game. I was busy uh, with work and stuff, so I was not able to watch. And then, of course, I guess Hilltop Revolt has gotten assaulted by. Uh, the corporate ESPN lawyers, et cetera. Uh, so they haven't been posting those games. So I couldn't catch the late view later. Jared, what do you think? Uh, let me hear your narrative as to why Chattanooga should have won that game. Well, I was also in the same boat as you where I had the pleasure of not actually having to witness this dumpster fire of the game. I was at work, <laughs> but just looking from what I've seen online and the stats it was just really bad. Like, Kaveras Thomas, I really, really want him to do well, but looking at his stats before he went out with an injury, I mean, it was still really, really bad. The offense is just completely stagnant and inept, which I don't understand why that's happened this season. But, I mean, I knew Chattanooga would show up for this game just because it's the only game they have this entire fall. Like the FCS stuff that they'll be doing later is when uh, in spring, I think, is when they were going to be doing that. But, I mean, and then, of course, I don't know what the whole blown call was at the end of the game. I don't know, if Alex, if you can talk about that. But, yeah, yes, everything it was. Please go ahead. Yes, the blown call was, okay, Munson kicked the ball off, and Bryce Nunnally, the returner for Chattanooga, went for a touchdown, but it got called back because Nunnally called for – it was either him or the other receiver. Like, whenever you have a kickoff, there's two guys in the backfield – one guy, as soon as he signals a fair catch, no matter who it is out of the two, apparently, and I just found this out Saturday, I could be wrong, but it's happened in sim- similar fashions. Whoever calls a fair catch, the ball is caught, and it's stopped right there. So, in reality, it could have been a touchback, but the other guy called the fair catch. Not only was the target that received the ball, it ran it back, and they called it back because – of a fair catch violation. So regardless, whenever you signal for a fair catch on a punt return, that's it. Unless the ball is dropped, what they call a muff, 
then it negates everything that just happened. So let me let me clarify. The not the guy that caught the ball, the quote runner, but the other uh, deep back signaled for the fair catch, and the other guy caught it and ran with it, and that yes. was holding. That is an awful call. That does not sound right to me at all. Like yeah. that makes no sense. Like it seems to me like he like it was they were trying to do a trick play and they were going to throw, you know, throw him off by thinking a. A was going to catch the ball, but in fact, B was the one catching it. Um, but yeah, that sounds that sounds awful. Yeah, it's like it probably should not have been called. That's what a lot of people have said. And I don't blame all the Chattanooga fans that are mad about it because, I mean, it's not very often we get home cooking, so let us have this one moment, please, yes. where the officials yes. actually help us win a game because usually it's the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, we historically we never get calls like ever. Yeah, even at home, which doesn't make any sense. No, not even at home. I, I that's one thing I've never understood is how Western never gets home calls. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Caveras Thomas went out with an injury. Any anybody have any updates on him or anything? I haven't heard anything, but I read Ross's article with the BYU people that was out today, uh, and he talked like he probably it'll probably be Pigram that starts just to maybe make sure that he stays healthy. and I mean, we're playing BYU. It doesn't even matter. Okay, so let me ask you both, and I'll kind of poll you both to see. Would this not be a perfect game for Shanley to go in? Honestly, I don't want him to get hurt for no reason either. So, I mean. <laughs> okay. I don't Alex, know. what do you think? I feel like if we get blown out like 35-0 to zero in the first half, Shanley will come out in the second half. But it also depends on how Pigram plays. Like, if Pigram throws at least two completions, like, out of 13, and three of those incompletions were interceptions, one of them a pig six, I might add, then Shanley's going in. Oh, yeah, completely But, see, the thing with Shanley, though, is that you don't want to put him in a game where you basically have 0% chance of winning anyways and saying, all right, go out there and try to beat the number 11th-ranked team in the country in their own place. Good luck. You haven't had any first-team reps, but, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I feel like that would still be kind of a hard situation coming into. I mean, and I don't know if he has had any, you know, first-team reps in practice. I mean, Maybe if Thomas has been out, he's taken some, but – I don't know how many he, he would have before that. I don't know how to, uh, Coach Elton does all of that. Honestly, I'm looking for Shanley to look to uh, transfer at the end of this year. Well, I mean, if Pigram, I mean, he graduates, he'll still have Thomas and Shanley. That could be a really good quarterback battle. I just don't want Helton to keep trying to go after these grad transfer quarterbacks instead of trying to develop guys. I don't really think that's a good way to have success because, I mean, as we have seen this year, it doesn't really work. Nope, nope, nope. It doesn't nope. work for everybody, I might add, because there are a lot of Power 5 schools that still go to grad transfer route or at least some – and just – it's yeah. one thing that's kind of going to ride across the whole board. Like, I'm not docking grad transfer because there are some – a lot of players that need opportunity to play no matter what. But if the team system doesn't call for it, then don't do it. I would Could go for a backup, but, but not Could for, you- like, a starter. Could you all imagine if Coach Helton went after that Malik Willis from Liberty instead of Pigram, how much better we would be? So here's the thing, though. I can't speak for Malik uh, Malik Hill, but with um, 
Pigram, like his resume looked amazing. Yeah. Like if I'd looked at him on paper and looked at any other quarterback in the country, you know, as far as grad transfer. It's the SEC guys, though. You always take an SEC quarterback. That's just my philosophy. I mean, Ty Story, he was Arkansas, and he was garbage, and he came in and won nine games for us. So I'm just saying, SEC. (laughs) You know, the SEC is is like the only conference where the fans cheer SEC. Yeah. And I've never (laughs) – that's one of the things that just blows my mind. It's like – I get being competitive, but it's like you take pride in the SEC. I mean, it's whatever. But um, yeah. talking on the game here, real quick, uh, Western had well. Here's some stats that stand out to me. Western was three of twelve on third downs and three of four on fourth downs. Uh, so the three of twelve on third downs is atrocious. The fact Even, that we're as good on fourth down than third down says a lot. For, now here's the, the other. Here's the flip side of that. Chattanooga was five of fifteen, so that's a third. Western shooting a quarter right there. Mm. You know we're not we're not getting one one out of four. We're converting, which is not good numbers. Uh, obviously, uh, we're we were at two hundred fifty four total yards. They were at two twenty five. We out threw them by like forty yards, forty two yards. We had sixteen of twenty five in the air. They were nine of twenty three. Uh, rushing, we had 122. They had 135, um, and they held the ball for about six more minutes than we did. So, just kind of glancing over there, and Western had two turnovers. Honestly, just looking at the stats, Western probably should have lost that, but I'm glad we didn't because, as Jared and I talked about last week, the FCS curse has ended for Western. So, although it shouldn't have, like I still, no. there's some no. wins that are there are some wins that are as bad as loss, and this one is that basically. It's on paper, it's a win, but just with everything else, it still feels like a loss. I've ne- honestly, I have never heard that rule. Well, I, I mean, to me. I mean, just looking at it that way. I mean, you, of course you want it to be a win, and I'm glad that it is, but God, I mean, I mean I'm just, they're just relieved that it's over with, probably. It's not yeah. necessarily, yay, we blew somebody out, we're hyped kind of win. It's like, a, oh, crap, that was too close to kind of win. I agree. Like, that should not have been a close game. That should have been, you know, that should have been a blowout. We should have won by 25 points at least, but <sighs> – Honestly, I'm glad it's in the past, and we can look forward to playing the Mer 11 BYU Cougars. Storming Mormons. Yes. Okay. On Halloween. If yeah. you if you've looked at the uh, at the ESPN percentage, uh, don't say anything. Uh, have either one of you seen it? No, but I'm no. sure it's terrible. Okay. Same. Like I'm not even look. Like I just waited until tonight to actually just <laughs> take. Part of that just because it's, huh, it's a ranked team. It's BYU, so it's like j- just like at least let something good happen in that game. At least let something good happen in that game. I I don't think there's going to be anything good. Um, Alex, I'll go to you first. What is your guess on the percentage chance ESPN is giving BYU to win? I'm gonna say at least ninety seven percent. Okay, Jared? Just give me a straight-up 99%. Okay, if we're playing Price is Right rules, you both went over, but 
It was oh. 95.9. That's awfully generous. Yeah, so they gave Western 4.1%. Ooh. Uh, so you're telling I mean, me there's a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> it's I mean, college football. Crazier things have chance. happened. Yeah, crazier <laughs> things have happened before. Uh, well, here's the crazy part. Uh, BYU is averaging 45 points a game. Yikes. Points allowed 14. Yikes. Westerns, here's Western's average, just for just for giggles. Uh, Western's points per game is 17. Yikes. Points allowed per game, 27.8. Mm, I mean, that's still uh, really bad. I know, right? This just make this is like so depressing. Uh, Not to mention BYU's quarterback is one of the is beginning some hype from Heisman enthusiasts. Like he's looking at his stats right now. 126 out of 161 passes complete. His percentage is 78.3%. He is well over 1,900 yards, 16 touchdowns, one interception with a quarterback rating of 210.4. He is, honestly, he's going to break 2,000 yards this coming Saturday, obviously. Easily. They uh, Total yards is 547 for BYU. Man. They pass about 350. They rush about 194. If they don't have like 600 yards against Western on Saturday, I'd be surprised. And this is a Western podcast, okay? You know, like I don't want to say this stuff, but this is my realist outlook for you. I mean, we haven't had any good glimpses of what this team actually looks like. We haven't blown out anybody. The most points we've scored is like, what, 20-something against middle like we've just looked completely inept on both sides of the ball for the most part. So we've, I mean, I'm definitely scored, expecting a massacre on Halloween night. We scored 24 points against Liberty, and wow. I think that is the most. Let me uh, let me check real quick. Let me let's see real quick here. Um, That's how much we would put up in one quarter under Brom, <laughs> the good old days. We did. Uh, we had 24 against Liberty, and we had 21 against Louisville. Uh, those are the the highest two scoring games. Um, we have we're going to be on ESPN, so this is going to be atrocious. Um, 10, Hopefully, 15, everyone will be trick or treating. <laughs> Ten <Yeah>. fifteen. <laughs> um, honestly, like BYU would be one of the stadiums I'd love to go see. Like looking at the picture of this on ESPN looks so cool. Yeah, you I actually thought about see. flying there at one point. I actually thought about flying to Utah. And just tour this, like, just it's a great scenic state. But BYU's field, uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, I think is what it is. Or congratulations, way to pull that out! Thank you. Spent countless <laughs> years playing NCAA football, so I'm surprised <laughs> I knew that. But it's a pretty stadium just with the backdrop of the mountains. It's it's probably like ingrained subliminally in your mind because you're just like, oh, what's that stadium? Uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, See, here's so my question. Find it. Yes. Well, go ahead. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry for that. Uh, the yeah, outline yeah, aware yeah. that we have four games left after Ugh. this Saturday. Honestly, that's for the best. Um. It sounds bad, but like this is almost this isn't as bad at well, it's pretty bad. I was gonna say it was it's it's not as bad as Sanford's last year, but it's pretty close. 
Well, let me ask you this question. If you're Mike Sanford, do you go to Provo and just wear like neutral colors, sit in the stands and just watch us get torched for like 50 something points and just laugh the entire time? Honestly, if I'm Mike Sanford, I'm going to go and get a seat directly across from, you know, uh, sorry, I went blank. The AD, um, Western's AD, Todd Stewart. I'm going to sit directly across from him just where he can see me in like the brightest color shirt and just shake my head every time BYU scores. Just be like, yep, yep. Uh, Honestly, though, like Sanford needed to go. That's crap. But um, okay, so the most points scored for BYU um let's see let me let me pull up the whole season here so i don't screw this up um, doing that, i will give us a glimmer of hope and that was that one of the closest games that byu has had this entire season was against conference usa's utsa but i mean utsa is still a lot stronger team than we are but i mean they did get they i don't know if they overlooked them or what but they had a really close game against utsa BYU did. the um okay so the close the the furthest points victory or margin of points victory, whatever you want to call that. Um, Navy was 52 points difference. Mm. They won 55 to three. Uh, the closest, as Jared said, was 27 to 20. Um, the last game they played, it was 52 to 14 against Texas State. So I'll go to both of you real quick. Alex, chance that BYU scores over 55 against Western. 80% chance. Jared, what do you got? You know, I mean, I think they'll keep it modest. I'm just going to say 50%. I don't think they're just going to go out there and rack up a bunch of points. I mean, I think it being a late game, it being Halloween, they might have other stuff to do, so they'll just try to get out of there. <laughs> they may, if they get to 50, they'll just put in all the third stringers, let them get some reps. Go ahead. Third stringers, my eye, dude. They're going to be going to the stands, and they're going to be like, hey, kid, you're wearing a football jersey. Come on in here. You're only 12? Who cares? You can play. Still eligible. So here's so – here's, <laughs> this. I don't know if you all saw this the other day in the group chat, but when Ross told the staff that D'Angelo Malone only has two sacks for the season, yeah, I, my jaw hit the floor. It's definitely I was like, you got to be kidding me. There, And, I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. To add in more insult to injury – I was glossing over the stat line for uh, BYU for their defense. Okay. They are a sack-happy defense with Tyler (laughs) Batty having 4.0 sacks, Isaiah Calafusi, the leading tackler of the team, three sacks, Zach Dahl, two sacks, Tyrus Tonga, three sacks, George Udo, two. So – if anybody is good at adding math fast, that is way over at least 10 to 15 sacks. So our offensive line, may God be with them. Yeah, we went to – all three of us have gone to Kentucky schools, so we can't do that that quick. But <laughs> I just like the phrase there, sack happy. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's great. Um, honestly, like, okay, so – I'll see what you all think here. I would honestly take the over. The uh, team rankings and number fire. Uh, team rankings says that BYU is going to score 40 and Western's going to score 10. Um, number fire says 33 to 17. Um, 
Honestly, I'm taking over. I'm going to bet over on those if I had to. What's your score prediction? Um, I'll say 45-10. That's close to what I was thinking. Um, Jared, what do you got? I'm thinking 49-6 to with Narvinson being the MVP of the game for Western. So it's two field goals, or is it a touchdown with a missed field goal? Two field goals. Narvinson's got it. He's got it on lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alex, what do you got? Very valid. I'm going to say at least 51 to 15 with our 15 points being in garbage time. Probably right. I guarantee that it's going to, it's going to be garbage time touchdowns. And so many people in Vegas are going to be so ticked. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this is, I think we knew at the beginning of the year that this game was not going to be pretty. Well, I mean, I think we thought we might have a better chance at the beginning of the season when we actually saw how this year turned out. That's when it really went down. I agree. Like, I mean, well, you remember a few weeks back, we talked about switching the BYU game with Louisville. And I'm so glad we didn't because we would have gotten killed by like 20 more points. Yeah. And it's like, good gosh, man, this is like the worst season we've had since Sanford era. Yeah, I hate to not, be a Debbie Downer, but it's just that's how I feel tonight. Not to mention, compared with like how our season is going, Brigham Young is still an undefeated team with six and zero. They're an eleventh ranked team with one of the highest offenses in the country. So I don't think anybody expected BYU to even be in somewhat of a conversation for one of the best teams in the country. But here's my here's my problem. With them being the one of the better teams in the country, who have they played? They've mm. they basically just danced through Conference USA, playing Law Tech, UTSA, and us. And is Houston? Are they Conference USA? Or are they? Uh, no, they're American now. They're American. Okay, so they played them. They played Troy. They had the Navy and Army games, which Army got postponed. I'm guessing yeah, due to because BYU, they're still independent, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're independent. Notre Dame got the lucky end of the stick and joined a conference, thankfully, which they need to stay in the conference. But if you're if you're a team, I think you have to join a conference in order to to get your cred up there. In order, because the only game that you could play in is the national championship if you're not in a conference, and that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yes. Um, like, independence should like the whole independent thing should be done away with. It has gone far too long. Notre Dame is also did, should have joined a conference like twenty years ago, realistically. But it's like there's no place for independent conference. Period. Like, okay, there is one. There is one. I'll give you their one. The only time that the independent conference should be used is for transition teams. Yes, yeah. for like That's the first the only year or two. Yes, you, you're in it for two. And that's my thing, is just do it for two. They're but here's in- my question, though, Devin, is what conference would you put them in? Because if you look at how strong their team is, I mean, they wouldn't deserve to be in, like, the Mountain West or, like, the WAC or something like that. They would just absolutely run that. So, I mean, would they be Pac-12 then? Or what exactly would you – where would you put them? Okay, so <laughs> um, this is going to be one of those – I would think it almost have to be pack, but if you go by, but if you go by like quote Jared logic, I think you're gonna. Have, they would be in the Mountain West, right? 
I mean, because they're not really on the coast. They're not by the Pacific Ocean. They're in Utah, so they'd have to be in the mountains, right? <laughs> yeah, well, like Utah is already in the Pac-12, so think, it would yeah it would be more feasible for BYU to be in the Mountain West or even the WAC. Like Hawaii isn't a WAC conference, so it's like well, just put BYU in there. I mean, no in Rutgers. Out. In Rutgers, yes. But the thing is, is that playing in that conference would actually destroy <laughs> their strength of schedule. Yes, I agree. Uh, it would it would really decimate them as far, but but their strength for Boise schedule, State. Yeah, but the, I was going to say their strength of schedule isn't really that good this year. Like they haven't really played anybody. If they played, you know, an Alabama or an LSU, they'd have a lot stronger conference or a lot. They'd probably be ranked higher. Yeah, probably. They probably would have lost, which they'd knocked their them down. But you know, if they won, I mean, they'd probably be in the top five right now. Yeah, that would be very interesting. But honestly, like, I would like to see them in the Pac-12 because I put think them in the Big Yeah, yeah. With Hawaii, put yeah. them in the Big <laughs> Well, we got to. It's either they either move there or Rutgers moves into the WAC. So yes, we got to do it yes. that way. Yeah, completely agree. Um, okay, so the next team that BYU plays after us is going to be Boise State, and they're ranked 25th right now. That's probably the toughest game they have left. So here's the funny thing. Uh, our game's on ESPN. FS1 is what BS, uh, Boise State and BYU are going to be playing on. That sucks. <laughs> That'd actually be a really good game. Oh, well, yeah. So this is what's funny for me is on November 21st, they played North Alabama on ESPN3. Like, Why? wouldn't you think that one of those games would have gotten switched? <laughs> so, like, BYU would have played Boise State on ESPN one or three and then you know like us or north alabama would have been switched to fs1 <laughs> maybe it could be worse they could be on stadium like oh wait, God. Ugh, don't even get me started about that i think i think stadium is based out of huntington west virginia it might be just yeah, because of my nice. sheer loathing of west virginia right now um yeah i it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough game um Support the tops, you know, support the guys. This year's going to be rough. I mean, that's all there is to it. Um, so, okay. Right now, BYU is leading or tied in their independent conference with Liberty. Liberty's 6-0 and right now, too. Yeah. Which, who would have thought that would be 6-0? and That's just the power of a Hugh Freeze-ran team. Ugh, Hugh Freeze. So got a they got an SEC grad transfer. That's what we missed out on. We should have got Willis. You're probably you're. I think you're absolutely right there. Completely agree with that statement. So um, Tilton, if you're listening, which I'm sure you definitely aren't, just go over, <laughs> go after the SEC guys. Find whoever like the third string quarterback is at LSU or Alabama or Georgia, and go after them and say, "Hey, you want to come start at Western Kentucky?" That's all you got to do. Um. Okay. So. Our year could be worse. Okay, first off, we could be sure. Old Dominion and not even have a season. Yeah. Which or other would we you could... rather have no season or have a season like the one we're having? Or we could be like FIU. They're 0-3 right now. Mm. Rice mm. is 0-1. UTEP is 3-3, three and three, which that would be even better for us because we're 2-4. and four. Mm-hmm. <sighs> UTEP is 3-3? Three and three? That is the biggest... Uh, turnaround in the conference. Yeah, but yeah. they're two. They're zero and two in conference. Who have they played? 
They beat ACU, which who is that? Evelyn Christian, probably. I way to pull that out of thin air. Uh, and then SFA, Stephen F. Austin. Nice, nice. Uh, and then of course we got ULM, Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana Monroe. Um, and they've changed their logo. Wow. All these Sunbelt schools trying to stay relevant, changing their name and stuff. They changed their logo. Their logo looks pretty sweet right now. Mm-hmm. Of course, Monroe is the Warhawks, just in case you're wondering. Um, but, like, okay, so they've had two games postponed with uh, Southern Miss and North Texas being postponed, and they lost to Charlotte 38-28. So there's a very good probability we'll, we're going to lose to Charlotte if we play them. Do we play them this year? Yeah, yes. that's like our yes. last game, I think. On Thanksgiving-ish. Ish, I guess that's around Thanksgiving. Senior day. We played Marshall on Black Friday, though. That was the best. <laughs> Four Thursday is the twenty-sixth, so that's two days before. Okay. Um, you know, I thought that the end of this season was going to be a lot easier for Western, but I don't think I'm right about that. Yeah. Especially after that UTC game, UT Chattanooga game. It's just not pretty. Um, Jared, what are you thinking for the rest of the season? You know, if we were to win a game, it would be FIU. That's probably the best chance we have of getting a win. I think that it's possible. I think the three wins, four four wins is our ceiling. Three wins is what I think we'll end up with. I think we could beat FAU, but they all have to get COVID. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It would probably be postponed, but, you know, there's, there's hoping. Um we need to like send them COVID blankets or something. Is that? It? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, hey, we have some nice FIU or FAU blankets for you. How would you like these? Yeah, straight um, out of blue cotton. All local <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's pretty rough. Okay, um, so ghost stories. Let's see here. Let's go to our Western ghost stories. I think we've covered most of them. This is the last week. Uh, Jared, you talked about Van Meter the first. I talked about Barnes. We talked about Snyder. Uh, we talked there is about one PFT. more that I like to talk about. Okay, go for it, buddy. Yes. So it's not. There's no evidence of it being haunted whatsoever, but it's one of my favorite buildings on campus because I basically live there. Ivan Wilson Fine Arts Center. It is. <laughs> see, it's called yep. the Labyrinth, which I don't know if you guys have many classes in FAC, but especially yes. for like freshmen and stuff, their first time going in there, it's easy to get lost in there. Like you go in the stairs, and then it's like all echoey and stuff. Then you get on one of the other floors, and you're just like, okay, so it's creepy. Like all these, it's a weird building, and never go to the fourth floor. It is horrifying. <laughs> Because that's where all the art students are, and they're always making these really weird mannequin-looking things and these masks and all these other things. Like, there have probably been freshmen that have gone to the fourth floor of FAC on accident, and they've never come back. So They're still in the labyrinth now. FAC is really creepy. And also, like, the music hall, too, like the third floor, like where all the practice rooms are, and this entire hallway just of practice rooms and, like, when you're in the stairwell and you hear that from a distance, it just sounds like really, really, really creepy. Yeah, I, I can I can attest. I used to – I would make a cut through in the winter, so I'd shoot through FAC. Yeah. And, you know, for, you know, probably 20, 30 feet or 40 feet, whatever, just to kind of warm up and then get back out in the cold and keep going. But um, 
for me, the creepiest building on campus was Thompson Complex North Wing before they tore yeah. it down. Yeah, that because oh my gosh, dude! Like the third floor, because that was the highest floor. Um, the lights always kind of messed up. It kind of had like that creepy, you know, feeling. And here's the funny thing for me is the elevator. You could turn the lights off and on. Why and, would that be an option? <laughs> and, and you could actually stop the elevator. It had a button to stop it. That's how yeah, the elevator in FAC is really sketched too. I've been in it before just going down from the third floor to the first and it actually like hung and I didn't know if I was going to be getting out or not, but thankfully it finally woke up. Jared, you could be one of these stories on here. You could yeah. be haunting that place. You didn't even know it. Um, Probably. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> did you have any uh, classes that are buildings that freaked you out? Yes. Uh, one of them would have to be Potter Hall. Like, I was reading somewhere where even to this day that the uh, the Western personnel, the ones that go in to clean the buildings and stuff, also is the same building that has the Office of Admissions. So it's like they've renovated it like a few times in the past five years to make it more easier to go to the financial aid office. But I've read where that they've received occasional after-hours visits from this ghost named Penny. And Penny is a spirit that's known to leave pennies, actual pennies, in the offices. So that was always a running joke. Whenever I was in school, it was like, whenever you see pennies on the floor from like the night before, I'm like, oh, pennies must have, penny showed up. So, hey. Dude, that is so funny. You know, if I clean that building, I'd have like a jar full of pennies and I'd just walk around and just drop them in people's rooms. Yeah, it'd be like Lane wow. paying your fine for the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> I'd drop those things everywhere. I'd be like, must have been the ghost. I know I cleaned that floor earlier. I don't know. It's weird. It's freaky. Um, so the uh, the building I'm going to talk about tonight, did we talk about roads yet, Jared? Do you know? I think you might have for a little bit. Okay, well, roads. I'm going to go ahead and just read the official WKU ghost story Uh just go to wku.edu slash ghosts uh, and they'll have a bunch of, they got a bunch of ghost stories on there. Um, this excerpt comes from the haunting of this residence hall comes from a story about a young girl who committed suicide by jumping off this nine story building. Uh, she returns every year on the anniversary of her death to spook the new residents of Rhodes Harlan hall. I didn't even know it had a second name. I thought it was just Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of these buildings are like such and such and such and such. Like PFT, I knew, and like yeah, Barnes Campbell, I think I knew that one. But like, like Schneider Hall, I never knew it was Florence Schneider Hall. Um, apparently the SAE house is haunted too. That makes sense. Apparently, it was a Civil War hospital. Okay, so let me back up. Sounds about right. As the legend goes, the former SAE house on College Street was once a Civil War hospital. Fraternity brothers have proclaimed that one young soldier who has who has called himself Kevin via Ouija board <laughs> died in the hospital and is trapped in the house. He was reportedly seen standing on the house's dance floor. Uh, that comes from an article back in October of 97. Uh, yeah, that's just that's kind of funny that it was a hospital. Um, so that's that's another ghost story for you. I, I think they do ghost tours, don't they? They used to. I don't know if that's still a thing that they do anymore. Jared, you got to start doing ghost tours. I'll do it. Simone, <laughs> if you're listening, hire me right now, bro. I'll do it. Hey, yeah. 
we'll uh we'll uh we'll throw jared out there if you want to go you send us a message on facebook or twitter or whatever and we'll uh we'll start doing ghost tours at western <laughs> <laughs> uh but i hope you all are safe on halloween i hope you enjoy the game if you stay up and watch um we have some overseas listeners who are very loyal and i appreciate you listening so if you yes. stay up and watch the game congratulations first off i do have some good news with that is that Go. we actually have the time change that night so it's a fallback so that means you get an extra hour of sleep for the time change so you'll get to not feel as guilty if you stay up to watch it we talk western sports and we help you in your everyday life how do you like that absolutely yeah. perfect <laughs> you know i remember that and i completely just went around i forgot all about the time change um but the time change is going to screw me up so bad because i know my daughter is going to get up and she gets up at like anywhere from five to seven now so if she's mm, if she gets up at five she's gonna be up at four and she's not gonna want to go to sleep she's gonna be so screwed up i hope she sleeps till like seven or something eight nine ten whatever <laughs> um but anyway Good um that's all i've got guys uh hope you all enjoyed the show yes wishful thank you uh, hope you all enjoyed the show. Check the game out. It's on ESPN. It's at 10.15 p.m. Eastern, 9.15 p.m. Central Time. Uh, and, of course, that would be, what, 8.15 Mountain Time? And then, yeah, just keep going around the world. I'm not going to keep counting. Uh, check the game out there. Um, the Tower Rack will have a recap, I'm assuming. So you can check them out. on. Check that out. They'll post that if you're going to be like me and be an old man and not watch the game because that's too late to watch us get, our, get murdered. Yep. Um, yeah, more likely to recap will be Sunday afternoon, just because it's like <laughs> it's late. So it's like you know what, it's exactly. going Sunday afternoon. Exactly. Uh, Alex has been good and helping everybody out there. Uh, but uh, check that out. Uh, like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. All the good major platforms do that for us. We'd appreciate it. Uh, and as always, guys, go tops. Go tops. Go tops. <laughs>